If you have your Old Testament, turn with me to Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and there we will begin reading with verse 6. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We're going to use those four verses for our consideration this morning and talk to you about some things concerning the topic of seeking the Lord. Those of you that are members of the body of Christ probably have a pretty good understanding, or at least in your own frame of thought and mind, you have a pretty good understanding of what it means to seek the Lord. But what we want to talk to you about this morning is what it means for those that are members of the body of Christ as well as those that aren't. Because there are applications that can be made for each and every one of us. And I think it's a sad day when we reach the point in our own train of thought, in our own minds, when we believe that we have it licked being a Christian, that we have all the answers, that we have everything we need. Because if that is the frame of mind or our thought process, then we will become stagnant. And stagnant leads to boredom, and boredom leads to forsaking God and all that is righteous in his sight. You know, there's a lot more to being a child of God's than simply being baptized for the remission of your sins. There's a lot more to being pleasing in the sight of God than simply being baptized. And I don't underemphasize, don't underemphasize baptism. But I think too often we run across those that are struggling in their spiritual well-being, struggling in their spiritual welfare, if you will. And we ask ourselves, how can that be? How can it be that someone who has been baptized for the remission of their sins can struggle? And the answer simply is that they have forgotten to seek the Lord. They have forgotten what their priorities should be. Perhaps they've gotten lazy. Perhaps they've gotten forgetful. But whatever the circumstances may be, you and I put our souls in risk when we forsake and don't seek after the Lord. You know, if you do a survey of the Bible, it's obvious to most, I believe, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a biography of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But even more importantly than that, it offers you and I the way to be saved. It proclaims to you and I plainly the plan of salvation. It tells you and I in no uncertain terms what you and I need to do to be saved, what steps we must take, what we must do to carry on. Isaiah could be added to those four books. Out of all of the books that you find in the Old Testament, Isaiah has more to say about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and about salvation than any other Old Testament writer. Isaiah takes special time and concern and consideration to proclaim for you and I as we look from the days of old through the life of Christ to the day and age in which we live. Isaiah proclaims to you and I 
the promise of the Messiah. He proclaims to you and I what the Messiah would mean to all of humanity. He proclaims to you and I all of the encouragement that we need to help us to strive to remain faithful. He proclaims to you and I salvation, and he proclaims to you and I how we can seek the Lord. You know, too often, and I've been guilty of this myself, those that are given the privilege of standing before an audience and preaching from the word of God, sometimes use this pulpit or use this as a whipping post. We get on some rant or something that's bothering us in our personal life, and we use the occasion to vent our frustrations and to vent whatever it may be that's troubling us and wherever our anger may be directed, and the congregation is left, what was that? As I've gotten older, fortunately, I've gained a small measure of wisdom. And I've come to the conclusion that the best thing that you and I can do, those that are privileged to stand in pulpits here at this place and across this world in which we live, is number one, preach Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Preach Jesus Christ as the author of salvation. Preach Jesus Christ to a world that is seeking happiness, joy, and fulfillment in all the wrong places. And preach encouragement. Encouragement. You know, if we were members of a relay team and there was yourself and three other runners and you were running the third leg and you realized as you got ready to pass the baton to the finisher to the fourth leg that there was something wrong with them, that they weren't going to be able to finish the race. You would do one of two things. You would either help them to the finish line or you would go there yourself. And I'm convinced that you and I can have the most benefit to one another if we help each other to the finish line. Not for one to stand and to beat the others, but for each and every one of us to use our lives as an example and to encourage one another in reaching the finish line. Parents, how many times have you been on your knees in prayer and prayed that your children would make good decisions? How many times have you been on your knees in prayer and prayed that your children would do what is right in your sight? How many times have you been on your knees in prayer pleading with God before time is no more? that your children will get it right. You see, you're in that relay race and you're trying to help one that you perceive has trouble make it to the finish line. We all have that responsibility. You know, most fellows, if they were out driving and saw a car pulled over and a gal stranded would make an effort to help, at least be able to get them on their way. For those that are married, perhaps have girlfriends, you would think, if that was my wife or that was my girlfriend, I'd want somebody to help them. I wouldn't want them just left out here. 
And yet we forget that very basic principle of humanity when it comes to living the Christian life. We sometimes get into that mindset that this old world has that it's all about me. It's all about me. For those of you that have youngsters that are playing sports or have played sports, you've played yourself. You've had the opportunity to talk to young people that are members of your team, whatever that may be. And have you ever gone through the short little speech that there's no I in team? You ever heard that? You ever heard a coach tell you there's no I in team? That we're only as strong as our weakest link? That we're only going to make it to the goals that have been set for that team if we all pull together? That if one sets themselves apart, it leads to the demise of the bunch. Isaiah gave you and I those very admonitions. In Isaiah 55 and verse 6, you'll notice that the way that Isaiah has penned these words, that it is a verse of action. It is not a verse where we can sit back and read and nod at one another and say, okay. But it is a call to action for you and I. It is a call to action. It should cause you and I to take action in our life. Isaiah says again, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Don't we all think that at some point in our lives we were going to live forever? Haven't you had that thought? Haven't you thought things are going to go on and be good for as long as I know? Things won't change. It's always going to be I can come down to the place of worship here in Bakersfield, California at 1030. I can find my place. I can get my songbook. I can participate in the services. And that's the way it's going to be from now on. Isaiah issues a warning that you and I must heed. That we must seek the Lord while he may be found. I want you to examine your own life. Just for a brief moment. And ask yourself this question. If God called an end to time today, would the Lord be able to find you? Would you be one of his? Or do you have things amiss in your life that you've put off and put off and put off? And you know what's troubling about that is simply this. When we think nobody's watching or nobody's looking, we relax, don't we? We get a little bit careless at times. We get away with things that we might not try to get away with if brother or sister so-and-so were there. And so Isaiah tells you and I that we're to seek the Lord while he may be found. And you know what that says to me? that there's a time coming when he won't be found, that for all of the pleading and weeping and gnashing of teeth and petitions thrown to the sky and all of the carrying on that this old world will have to offer, there's going to be a time when God can't be found. There's a time coming 
when God can't be found. We live in that time now. The cemeteries of this country are full of people that have gone to their grave with things amiss in their life concerning their spiritual well-being and they will seek for God for all of eternity and he won't be found. He won't be found. Where do you stand? Where do I stand? Where do our family members stand? Listen to Isaiah as he continues on. Call ye upon him while he is near. I want to look at that from a human not just the body of Christ, but from humanity's point of view. We all know people at work or at school or in our daily walk that believe that they have a covenant relationship with God. They believe that everything is good between them and God. They'll tell you things like, God is my friend. They'll tell you things like, you know, I have a phone line to God. They'll tell you things like, God told me it's okay. And yet the Lord is nowhere near. And the sad fact of the matter is, is that if that is the frame of mind of individuals that we're dealing with or that are possibly you and I, we've never sought him out. Oh, we may have made the attempt. You know, we may have gone with the window dressing version of Christianity where you put on some nice clothes and you come and you show yourself around the brotherhood and you make everybody believe that things are great. You ever done that? There are those in this assembly that could witness the fact that they know for a fact that a long time ago I did that. God was nowhere near me. And it wasn't because God didn't want to be. It's because of the poor choices and decisions that we each and every one of us make. Each and every one of us make. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. I want to read one verse for you. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Do you think that being pleasing to this in the sight of God is an impossible task? You know, I've met individuals, and I'm sure you have too, that as you look at their life from an outsider looking in, you say to yourself, all that's missing is the water. They're living their life according to principles that are found in the word of God. They're kind, they're generous, they're humble. The whole picture's there. What's missing? The water. Now think about what the writer here in Deuteronomy is saying. Thou shalt find him if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You ever thought God was afar off? You ever ask yourself, something tragic happens, and that's generally the circumstances. God, how could you let this happen? 
How could you let my sister be killed? How could you let such and such befall such a tragic fate? What's the first thing that we tend to want to do? God, how could you let this happen? What we need to ask is, were we seeking the Lord? Were we trying every day that God gives us to live a life according to what we find in Scripture? Were we giving our best effort to being a child of God's? You know, being a Christian isn't like a part-time job. It's not like working on the weekends or working a few hours in the evening or during the day. But being a Christian is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week for your lifetime commitment. Now, you may say to yourself, well, you know, I, I sleep some. And that would be true. But the point is simply this. If we have decided that we want to embrace Christianity as being something that we put on when it's convenient for us, then we're going to find ourselves far, far away from God. And the writer in Deuteronomy makes it so simple for you and I to understand. No fees to be paid, no membership to buy, but if we truly seek God, we'll find Him. If we'll truly embrace God, God will embrace us. If we truly will try to do what is right, knowing that there are going to be times when we fail and fail miserably, God will always be with us. Always. In Psalms, the ninth chapter, in verse 10, David would say, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Isn't that wonderful? I want you to think about that for just a minute. How easy is it for you and I to be fair-weathered friends? So-and-so's got a new boat. Isn't it amazing how we become their buddy? So-and-so's done this or done that or going here or going there. And isn't it amazing how we can simply get ourselves channeled into that little stream, if you will, of friendship? But listen to what David says about God. He will not forsake thee. If you're seeking the Lord, if you're doing the very best you can in living the Christian life, not according to some helpmate or some manual, but according to the will, the word of God, he'll never forsake us, ever. I don't know about you, but there's great comfort in that. There are times when I need to know and you need to know that God is near. There are times in our lives that you and I have to have that confidence because without it, I just don't know how we'd get by. <clears throat> Someone in our family gets ill. We talk to God in prayer about their condition, about their circumstances. Why do we do that? 
Is it so the individual in the next bed will be impressed? Or is it because we truly believe that we have God's ear and heart and wonder? And we truly believe with all of our heart that God's listening and that God will respond in God's own due time. Isn't that why we pray? Because we believe that God is always there. Let's make an application for you and I. You've ever felt like God deserted you? You ever felt like, I'm doing everything I can, God. But what happened here? How is it that these things happened? You and I need to go back and ask ourselves, where were we? Where were you and I? Oh, we can't point the finger at anybody else. We can't turn and say it's so-and-so's fault. You know, there has to come a time in the lives of each and every one of us where we have to be accountable for our own actions our words, our thoughts, all that makes up you and I as the unique human beings we are that God himself created. Where were you and I? As parents, isn't one of the things you hope to hammer home to your children before they leave your home is to be responsible, to be accountable, isn't that one of the things that young adults and all in this assembly can think back to their childhood and remember, yeah, mom and dad used to, used to let me know coming and going that I had to be responsible, that I was accountable for my own actions. Why is it when things are good or when we think there's a reward, we're accountable and responsible? But if there's mischief afoot, or something bad is going to happen, it's somebody else's fault. How is it that happens? If you can figure that out in your mind, then maybe you need to ask yourself, do I seek the Lord while he can be found? Do I truly make the effort to seek the Lord? You know, it's been proven over the years, I don't have any kind of numbers, be foolish to even say something off the top of my head concerning numbers, but it has been proven over the years that those that are members of the body of Christ and those that aren't turn or look to God in time of tragedy. People that have had no concern about God for who knows how long in the past. You let something come that rocks them to the frailty of their own life. And they suddenly are seeking for today's vernacular, I guess, is a higher power. Why is that? Why is it that when things don't go as we like or when tragedy strikes, 
we suddenly seek God. You know, Solomon would write in Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter, that it was better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of mirth. You know why he wrote that? wasn't because he was trying to pull the plug on fun or having a good time. But Solomon realized that when our minds are upon things that are solemn, upon sadness, upon tragedy, our minds go to God. But I can guarantee you when you're out water skiing or riding your motorcycle or at work or any other hundreds and hundreds of activities, we don't think about God all the time, do we? Not to your shame. That's just the way that we're made. And what that should do is serve as a warning to you and I. You know, maybe I need to make time in my daily activities to pray more often. Maybe I need to make time in my daily activities to read my Bible more often. Maybe I need to make time in my daily activities to be kind, to be considerate to put the needs of others before our own. You know, anything that you and I can do, that we do with a clear conscience and a good heart for others, did you know that you and I get most of the benefit from that? Now you may think, oh, I didn't want it to be that way, but the fact of the matter is, is that anything we can do to knock the rough exteriors off, anything we can do to soften up the hide, anything we can do to chip some of the hardness from our heart or the, the cynical way we may look at things or the way that we may see things through eyes that are jaded or prejudiced, anything we can do that helps another helps you and I. anything. In Romans 10 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul would write, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Psalms 27 and verse 8, David would write, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. When was the last time you sought out the Lord? This morning, don't misunderstand. I understand full well I'm standing before a group of people that strive to do what is right, that strive to live the Christian life. And by no means am I here to say anything otherwise. But I do think that the time comes when you and I, from time to time, need to do a little soul searching and internal house cleaning and ask ourselves, if God came today, would I be saved? And you have to be selfish about that. You have to be selfish. Because you and I as individuals will be the ones that stand before Almighty God. There's not going to be substitutes or surrogates or any other number of worldly doctrines out there. But it's going to be you and I as individuals. And we have to be selfish about that. If I was to ask this assembly this morning to 
and please don't do this. To raise your hand if you wanted to go to heaven, everybody would raise their hand, wouldn't they? Now the question is, for all that raise their hands, how many truly believe that? And I'm not talking about doubting God. I'm not talking about having any kind of doubt about heaven and eternity. What I'm talking about is where you and I have to get down to the core of self and ask ourselves, have I sought out the Lord while he is near? Have I truly made the effort to seek out the Lord? Have I truly forsaken a wicked lifestyle or sin that has encompassed me? Look at Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, it's easy, I think, for you and I to read that and just kind of brush over it. But just for a moment, perhaps you know somebody in prison. Just for a moment, imagine that your freedoms have been taken away from you. Imagine, if you can, that you are now being controlled by the state of California. They tell you when to eat, when to sleep, what to wear. They have you. Now imagine, as Isaiah says there in verse 7, imagine that word comes down to you that there's a way that you can be pardoned. Wouldn't you do whatever it took? Whatever they ask of you, wouldn't you do that? We're sure you would. So would I. Then the question has to be asked, why do we let ourselves become trapped in our own vanity and sin, and we won't avail ourselves to seek the Lord while he is near, and we won't ask God for forgiveness, and we won't strive to do what is right because we're afraid that so-and-so may see or they may think illly of us or whatever number of things that people can conjure up in their own life and in their own mind. Why is it that we put our souls in jeopardy? Because the fact of the matter is, is that we all know folks that are in that category right now. We all know people that are there. You ever had a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ? I can't understand why brother or sister so-and-so doesn't make things right. I can't understand why they don't understand. I can't understand why they won't make things right. Ever had that conversation with somebody? Ever had it with yourself? Well, sure you have. You know the frustration and the sense of loss that you feel when you ask yourself that? That's the loss that God feels. Because contrary to some in this whole world, God's plan for humanity is that all be saved. No consideration to race, no consideration to economic status, no consideration to social standing, no consideration to education. All God wants for you and I to do is to seek him and put him first. 
The Bible clearly declares in 41 places just in the Old Testament that God is jealous. Of what? Of you and I not living a life of righteousness, of putting other things before God, of putting God somewhere down in the pecking order. This morning, in closing, I would simply say this. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Because a time is coming when he will not be found. Seek after righteousness. Whatever you must do, according to the will and word of God, make that your priority. I know we're coming to a time, in, as far as the calendar is concerned, where there will be those that will make declarations or some kind of change in their life, beginning with the new year, resolutions, I guess they're called. You and I need to make that resolution each and every day that we rise from our beds. I'm going to do better today than I did yesterday. I'm going to pray with more sincerity today than I did yesterday. I'm going to take the time to be kind more than I did yesterday. Tomorrow's not been promised. Yesterday is gone. The time is now. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.